as I noted at the top of the show, Indiana has some of the most restrictive alcohol laws in the country. In recent years, though, the General Assembly has eased or even eliminated several long-standing limitations. In 2010, for example, lawmakers lifted a ban on Election Day alcohol sales and cleared the way for Sunday carryout sales at microbreweries. Last year, they gave craft distilleries permission to sell their products on site. And this session, as you just heard, they voted to allow beer and wine to be sold at the Indiana State Fair for the first time since 1947. Are such moves an aberration or a harbinger of even broader rollback of Prohibition-era laws in the not-so-distant future? Joining me to discuss the issue are Republican Senator Ron Alting of Lafayette, Chairman of the Senate Public Policy Committee and the former chair of an interim study committee on alcoholic beverage issues, Republican Senator Jim Merritt of Indianapolis, the Senate's Majority Caucus Chair and a member of that chamber's Public Policy Committee, Scott Imus, Executive Director of the Indiana Petroleum Marketers and Convenience Store Association, and Patrick Tam, President and CEO of the Indiana Association of Beverage Retailers. After those titles, I think I need a drink just to uh, <laughs> relax. Let me, every time uh, any reform measure related to alcohol comes up in the General Assembly, and of late it's effectively an annual proposition, um, it's like shaking up a can and then popping it open. It's quite an explosion in terms of rhetoric and legislative maneuvering. Um, Jim Merritt, why, why are there such strong feelings uh, about alcohol-related issues? Well, of course, you know, we had prohibition many, many years ago, and this has been a battle for my whole career. I've been there 24 years, and not a session has gone by where we haven't had some sort of discussion on alcohol and, and where it's sold and how it's sold, and, and just including uh, the, the, the breweries and the wineries and it just makes it uh, it makes it kind of an interesting session, and everybody has a, has a point on it. Some would like to sell it on Sunday, some would like to sell it cold, and um, it's uh, it's something that uh, there are business models and different uh, organizations that don't want to be broken up that are set by state law almost. So it's it's something that everybody has an opinion on that. Um, we get to discuss every year. <laughs> well, Indiana, as we've noted uh, at the top of the show, it is something of an outlier in terms of some of the statutes that are currently on the books and have been, in some cases, since the rollback of prohibition in, uh, what, 80 years ago or so. Uh, you know, why? I can't tell, though, when we look at other states across the country, we do this with everything, you know, whether it's tax rates or or uh, economic development uh, attractiveness, and we say, where do we rate with other states? Mm -hmm. But on this one, I can't tell if we're number one or number 50. Right. Wh 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 well, well, you can't because th there's a real misconception about Indiana being in the backwards and, and not, not being up with the times on alcohol law, where the real truth is, if you really study the other 49 states, it's the most hodgepodge misconception uh, laws that you've ever seen in your life. One state may uh, be only company, state-owned stores may be the only ones open. In another state like Kentucky, it's county by county. So if one county or 10% of the population counties are open, we consider that the whole state's open on Sunday when that's really not true. Other states, uh, it's only beer and wine from the hours of noon to 5 o'clock. It, it, at least in Indiana, we're very consistent and we're very cut and dry who's open, what we can do, and it's limited. So, and I just might add, there should always be a discussion on alcohol because it is a regulated product. It is a huge difference between selling bread or milk or steaks or chicken 
versus alcohol. So that's one reason why there is huge discussion, and we encourage that. Uh, alcohol is a serious matter, and it's legal, and, and we, we support that, I think, but we just want to make sure that we're doing it responsibly. But it's every state, if you'd see a map in the statistics on what other states do, it would be, as, and I have, by the way, it's very, very complicated. Indiana is not uh, in an island all their own when it comes to alcohol laws. And it really is a mishmash, certainly. Uh, uh, our neighboring states are a good example of that compared with what uh, is, is taking place here in Indiana. Patrick Tam, you represent liquor stores. I mean, this is, you earn a living uh, worrying about these issues. Sure. Do you sense, though, that Hoosiers, I mean, we just, I mentioned, I opened by saying that there's always highly charged rhetoric and there seems mm -hmm. to be a lot of, of volatility about these issues, but is it, is it owners and, and operators uh, that are fighting, or do Hoosiers really know what the law is and do they care what the law is? A lot is? of Hoosiers don't know what the law is in, in many cases, but really we've taken public opinion polling as recently within the last year, and Hoosiers want regulation on how alcohol is sold and who sells it. We believe alcohol selling, retailing alcohol is a privilege, not a right. Uh, we believe that this is a... Uh, a product that is regulated for good reason, that the General Assembly has regulated. They chose to create package stores where you can only sell 10, 10 alcohol-related items. We have to be located in certain areas. You cannot be under 21 and enter our stores. You have to be a 21-year-old or licensed clerk to work in our stores. So we're heavily regulated. We welcome that, believe in that. Um, but we will never be allowed to be a gas station, a grocery store, a big box. Um, so alcohol... When we sell alcohol, we need to sell it responsibly um, because there is consequences when alcohol is misused. And Scott IMS, we, we, you for several years, your organization now has basically uh, couched this as a consumer issue right. and a convenience issue. Good thing since you represent convenience stores and, and the like, uh, gas stations and whatnot. You've had petition drives, I forget now what the coalition, <coughs> coalition for beverage choice or something mm -hmm. to that effect in recent years. Is it tough to mobilize public uh, sentiment on this and get people mobilized, or is it, or is it, are you having to get out there and say, "Hey, pay attention to this"? Yeah, well, I think when people get uh, a forum that they'll exercise, we had within our first month of operation uh, some thirty thousand people go to our website, give their address, and sign a petition. Now, statewide population, that may not sound like a lot of people. But I would venture to say any group to get 30,000 people over a two, three-week period to sign on board, you know, is saying a lot. There's a lot of frustration, particularly on Sunday, particularly on cold sales, uh, those issues. And I don't think anybody, certainly in my industry, is disagreeing with what Patrick said. It, alcohol, or, or the senator, alcohol is a regulated product, and it should be. And we certainly don't want to see that become unregulated. We just think we do it responsibly and we ought to have more opportunities. And of course Sunday sales and cold sales, that's what I refer to, that's when we pop open the rhetorical can right. and really get things stirred up and we will do that. Uh, let's start where there seems to, at least based on votes in the House and Senate, seems to be a little more agreement and let's talk about your bill, Senator mm -hmm. Merritt. Uh, when folks go to the Indiana State Fair this year, um, if it's 90 plus degrees uh, humid, they can not only go to the milkshake, uh, the dairy barn, but maybe the beer garden. And even if it's raining, uh, we, uh, we will have a beer garden. We'll have a, uh, it will be agricultural-based. I think a lot of people who go to the state fair m might not even notice that we are selling beer or selling wine there. 
I, I, I believe the commission, when they uh, put the rules together, will make this so tightly controlled and such small amounts to start off with so that we can learn about it, so we can uh, crawl before walk, incremental change, that um, I think it's going to be a good success. I think it'll end up starting out to be more of a tasting area. And it'll be cordoned off. Everybody's 21. Uh, you'll have to you'll have to probably wear a wristband, and uh, there, you just won't be able to drink very much. It, it, and it's really to show off what is happening in Indiana uh, with with wine and with beer. Now we couldn't put that in law that it would be only wine and beer. There are some constitutional uh, questions about that, but I'm excited about it. And, and there's been some discussion, some criticism about it, but. Just keep in mind, the other 50 weeks of the year, there is alcohol sold. Uh, not every week, but there is, a, there is a possibility of alcohol being sold. It's not just on those two weeks. It's just those two weeks where we cannot sell it. And now, uh, once the governor signs it, we will be able to sell it in the state fair. And along with the other they, you have every indication that this. Yes, I do believe he'll sign it. He's in an agreement. Mm -hmm. And I know you can't preclude the sale of, of hard spirits, but uh, what about regulating it or keeping it to Indiana-only uh, vineyards and uh, breweries? Is that, that's the idea. I know the idea is to showcase Hoosier right, beverages, right. but is that? It's hard to regulate that way because of constitutional issues. Fuzzy Zeller hasn't called about it spirit, but uh, uh, we, uh, right now, it, 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 I believe the commission will go towards the Indiana way uh, with with spirit with with wine and with beer, and uh, and I'm excited about it. I think it's great. I think the I think the industry has grown so much, and like I said, many people will have to be directed toward the garden that that uh, this is being uh, offered. Uh, there won't be a large presence there because of the actual regulation and, 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 and the like. So you can't get the deep fried snicker bar and the beer at the same That's exactly stand. right. All right, <laughs> I know which one you do first, uh, <laughs> actually. Uh, another bill, and we're, we're gonna get to Sunday and cold sales. You wanna see uh, farmer's markets be an outlet for, um, again, local breweries and so forth, so that people can go and get their tomatoes and cucumbers, and hey, if, if the guy down the street has a microbrewery or a, a vineyard, What's the idea behind what you're thinking? Well, here? again, the, the farmer's market's a little bit like the state fair. We're there to show off uh, what we do uh, in the area of a local uh, community. So the Farm Bureau, all the agriculture community is behind this. So when you go, uh, you know, the grain from the fields and whatnot that makes this type of a beer, the artist uh, that creates this, uh, this craft beer has an opportunity to sell it uh, on site. Now, we've put guidelines in. I carried the amendment to make sure, A, there's no tastings, and there's a limit to the amount that you could purchase, and it is a take-home uh, amount of alcohol. It's not something you're going to go to the farmer's market and pop open uh, a beer and drink and while you're shopping for your tomatoes and whatnot. So I think it's done, uh, uh, you know, I think it's done very professionally, and it would be a, an accent. And most important, uh, it will also be a community-by-community community choice. This is not a mandate, so if a community feels like this is something they don't want uh, at their farmer's market, then they have the right not to have it. And that's real important, that local control. All right, the moment you've been waiting for. Sunday sales, cold sales. And if I can break it down to this, Patrick Tam, you represent the status quo. 
Uh, Scott Imus, you want change. So we'll start with you. Why do you not like what's in place now? Well, uh, our big issue with our industry, with the convenience stores, are cold sales. Um, we just think the law currently written is irrational. It has evolved over time. Interesting enough, when out of prohibition, the only people that could sell cold beer were confectionery stores. Liquor stores didn't have the right to sell beer at all until 1953. Uh, so, uh, so it has evolved. and. When liquor stores got the right to sell cold beer, it was by an administrative ruling, 1963. And they did it so not because of a public policy reason, because they wanted to compete with taverns who had the right to sell cold carry out. So we think it is our compliance record is far better uh, than the liquor stores. Uh, ATC does things for the last four years. This is the years. excise police. They uh, go in and try to buy under under Right, and we have a much better compliance record. Beyond that, if you look at violations, our violations are a lot less. Uh, so all we're talking about, and beer is beer, so all we're talking about in our case is moving it off and of the, the shelf. The are so different than one type uh, for another, but beer is beer. All right. Well, all we're talking about is moving it off the shelf into the cooler. You can cold cool a beer with a $30 device that spins it in a cooler uh, in a minute. Uh, you can put it in a cooler for 12 minutes and it becomes cold beer enough to drink. All right, Patrick Tam, what's wrong with the logic? What's wrong with the logic is actually that the General Assembly made the decision a long time ago and a public policy discussion at the General Assembly. They've sought to, to uh, seek uh, change in the, in the judicial system. We believe that time and time again that the courts have decided that states have the right to determine how alcohol is sold in their respective states. Indiana is not the only state that regulates beer by temperature. Um, they also, we have a business model that is really dictated to us. Uh, their uh, CEO of Thornton's flat out said that it's not going to increase beer sales, it's going to increase his share. This is a profitable business that gas stations started. They started under Indiana law. They knew what the law was. They're seeking to change it dramatically. And it's also a law so they can increase their profits. That's what it is. They do not want to have the restrictions that are placed on package stores. They said so in court. Um, and they do not uh, treat alcohol. They treat it as another skew, another item to run through their registers. As I mentioned, you uh, a few years ago, it's, I guess it's been, what, three or four years ago now, chaired an interim study committee on alcohol uh, beverage issues. This certainly was part of the debate. Uh, this has been an issue now for several sessions. Uh, has had trouble even getting hearings in the House. Uh, uh, had a chairman in public policy. Uh, your counterparts on the other side of the rotunda that uh, in the past was not fond of it. Does this have any traction? No. I mean, there's, there's not an accessibility problem. First of all, we got to remember every CVS, every Walgreens, which is in every corner, along with the packaged liquor stores sitting there, selling beer, wine, and hard liquor, by the way. You go to a supermarket, whether it be Kroger's, Myers, whoever, at the checkout line, they've got 10, 15 cases of beer as you're standing with your children checking out with your milk and, and, and bread. So accessibility is, is, is really not a problem on that. And I may add that when we talk about violations uh, versus the convenience stores, the packaged liquor stores, Keep in mind that the reason the violations is minor in the convenience stores and supermarkets is because when people come out, they're carrying sacks of bread, milk, cheese, etc., etc. When you come out of a packaged liquor store, you're carrying one thing and one thing only, which is alcohol. 
so it's easier to gauge and put a penalty on that. So I, I, think, I think we've done a good job in Indiana to find that balance. Uh, and, and I don't think it's a bad thing uh, not to have uh, cold beer served uh, everywhere in the state of Indiana on well, Sunday. What do you say? You both are Republicans, and of course your caucus generally uh, in your party tends to uh, preach the virtues of hands-off, you know, get, get government out of the regulatory business, don't pick winners and losers, you've heard the phrases. So why not in this case? Well, with the polar vortex going on, the beer comes cold anyway <laughs> in the truck. <laughs> but a uh, uh, little humor. But uh, it, it's uh, it's cheaper than the thirty dollar thing about Bob that you think described. Bob, yeah, whatever the thing about Bob is. But uh, yeah, I, uh, this is a heavily debated, and, and Chairman Alting has done a good job of refereeing. And there's so many issues that you talk about Sunday sales and cold beer, and and uh, these these companies have these. Um, these models for the business that they have to work towards and and I, I would think that if we would go towards either uh, sales on Sunday or uh, cold beer in the sea stores that would be a phase in because uh, like I said the the packaged liquor stores have a, a a model that that they all depend upon and and we have set up with state law so I don't see it coming in the future very uh, very quickly at all. You know, I mentioned that it, one sticking point used to be uh, House Public Policy, the, the chairman there, different chairman, and some people thought, oh, now things are going to move. Didn't move again this session. Your organization, Scott Imus, recently has gone to federal court right. to uh, argue the issue. Is that a, a, a sign of surrender in terms of uh, state house maneuvering? Is this, uh, is this, are you waving a white flag and going to the federal No, obviously court? we would have liked uh, the General Assembly to act. We, it's no secret we have tried that for the last several years. But fortunately, we live in a country that also allows businessmen who believe their constitutional rights are being violated to seek redress in other jurisdiction and, and to get those rights uh, addressed. And, and that's the step we took. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to the General Assembly, it was just an option that we had. And if I could correct one thing the Senator said about violations, he's absolutely right when it comes to strict violations that may be easier to get liquor store violations than other businesses. But for the last four years, excise police have a program where they do sting operations. Those are very scientific, treat all businesses the same, all permit holders, not only liquor stores but art members, uh, but also restaurant and bars where they send minors in. And in that, we're about two to one better than liquor stores and selling to, and not selling to minors. And Patrick Tim, I'm getting a last call signal, but fairness it, dictates a very quick response. It's not scientific. It was testified so in court by the ATC, Scott. It was also you cannot break out gas stations out of the grocery store permits. You know that for a very fact. So that's where the challenge is. You also have probable cause immediately. We also get double violations any time that you get a single violation, we get a double because we get minor loitering as well. So there is a double standard that's being placed even when we're, when we're talking about excise violations as well. We could go on. Uh, we, I guess the, the spotlight will shift uh, for the time being to the courts and we'll, we'll watch that. And chances are, I'm guessing, this issue will be back though and we might be having this discussion again in some fashion next year. I thank you all for being here for today's conversation. Again, my guests have been Republican Senator Ron Alting of Lafayette. Republican Senator Jim Merritt of Indianapolis, Scott Imus, Executive Director of the Indiana Petroleum Marketers and Convenience Store Association, and Patrick Tam, President and CEO of the Indiana Association of Beverage Retailers.